So one of the examples I like to use is if I've never seen Star Wars and I turn on Star Wars with five minutes left and I see Luke blow up the Death Star. Sorry if I ruined that for anyone, by the way. But, you know, you've had four years. So uh, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, so if, if I turn on Star Wars with five minutes left and I see Luke blow up the Death Star, I don't care. It means nothing to me. And what I would say is almost every client that I work with has Luke blow up the Death Star in the first five minutes of their movie. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 122. Our guest today is Don Capicelli, CEO of the Clean Cell Consulting Firm. Dom's organization has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs to not only tell a better sales story, but also built many of their sales efforts from the ground up. His focus on the sales story has doubled revenues of many businesses to date. Good morning, Dom. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Thank you for having me, Shai. Excited to be here. So excited to learn more about your concept, the clean cell. Tell us what got you started. Well, originally I was a writer and a storyteller. I was a journalist. I graduated, did sports reporting down in some very tiny town, about 40 minutes outside of Atlanta. Then I started working in New York and doing some freelance journalism there. Ended up becoming more of an author and went to school for screenwriting. So I had kind of a crazy career prior to getting into business and entrepreneurship. And I went did some postgraduate work at UCLA and was kind of having a little bit of success out in Los Angeles. And a friend of mine approached me and he said, hey, can you help me write a better sales story for my business? And I said, sure. You know, I thought it was very exciting. He was a very good friend. And I did some tweaking to his sales pitch, did some tweaking to the way that he approached clients. And we had kind of amazing results. We were able to double his sales within six months. So I kind of said to myself, wow, there's something here. And, you know, I I had always had a mind for business and and knew that I had that goal in mind. And I said, maybe this is actually my calling rather than pure storytelling just for the sake of storytelling. And I was a little bit cautious to make that jump because I didn't have a Stanford MBA. I hadn't grown up in entrepreneurship and really had that business background that I thought was necessary to be successful in sales and in business. But what I found was I actually climbed pretty quickly because the storytelling background that I had, the ability to deconstruct a story, to understand what goes into a persuasive story, to take the reader or whomever is experiencing the story on an emotional journey, was the best possible preparation that I could have had for a business career because that's what a sales pitch is. That's what sales are. And I think that's what business is. You need to get people believing in what you're doing and you need to persuade them. And the vehicle by which we do that is a story, even outside of business that works. If you want to persuade your wife or husband to take out the trash, there is a element to being able to do that effectively. And it's really a key skill anytime you're trying to win someone over in in any way. And so from there, I had a couple of jobs. I worked at ZocDoc, which is a big startup. I kind of cut my teeth there in a boiler room selling atmosphere and really learned the ins and outs of sales. I knew I wanted to open my own business. So I kind of created a startup within an established company with a really amazing founder who allowed me to do that. And then 
once I got into the startup community and the small business community, I started to realize that all of these entrepreneurs that I just assumed had these amazing sales processes, strategies, and stories didn't. And most of them were succeeding despite their sales acumen and their sales story and their overall strategy, not because of it. And I knew that there was a hole in the market there, especially with the amount of people who are starting businesses and how much easier it is to start a business today. And those skill sets just aren't there. And so I have this unique background of being able to open the curtain into what actually creates a successful sales story and what creates a successful sales strategy. And my experience as a writer has allowed me to communicate that effectively to other people, which is, it's one thing to have a skill set, but to be able to communicate that effectively and teach other people and demystify that process, it was kind of my special sauce in being able to create the company that I did and, and help startups and entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's a remarkable journey. And what I think is just absolutely fascinating is so many entrepreneurs are what we call like the accidental entrepreneur. They happen to be really good at something, right? And they're experts in some kind of craft or some kind of industry that allows them to launch their business. And some of those first sales come from relationships that they have, right? And so they don't realize necessarily that it's that story. It's the story between them and those first customers that quite often is the reason they close those sales because they haven't proven their new product or service yet. And so what happens is, as you know, they start to grow the business, they're starting to service customers, and then they're always trying to figure out, you know, well, how do I reach customers better? And so much of it is these underlying tactics But what they often struggle with is really identifying the drive behind their ideal customer and figuring out how to craft a story that matches that customer's needs so well. And I think your background as a storyteller just puts you in such a unique position to help people deliver this. And this is not something that that is easy to do. Yeah. So I have so much to say. You made many great points. I think it is very difficult for an entrepreneur who has these 15 years or however much experience they've had that really has earned them the right to call themselves an expert in the area where they started a business, right? They saw a hole in the market. They knew that they could do it better than the other people. So they started a business that takes charisma. That takes a lot of things. And they usually have a great network and great connections in order to do that. The problem is that also creates a bit of a reality distortion field because You often have this network and people are very excited to work with you and you have these great relationships and they're buying from you and you can start to think that you are this amazing salesperson. And then when you start to get beyond your warm leads, you can't close much and you don't understand why. And it's because when you have these relationships and you're closing those, that's a completely different story because you've earned the right to talk to those people. So really understanding how to capture attention, show credibility, these types of things within a story is very, very key. And the mistakes, to to touch on your larger point, the mistakes that I see pretty much ubiquitously from every founder that I speak with when it comes to their sales stories, I always see the same thing. It's always this 20-page capabilities deck. And that just like, you know, it's a real yawner. And the main mistake that people tell is most people are okay at telling stories, actually, but they're really good at telling their story. Then they're not good at telling their prospect's story. Nobody cares about your story especially if I'm trying to sell to you. You don't care why the queen cell was invented. You don't care about my background. You don't care about any of that and how I came to this. What you care about is what are the problems that I have as the customer and how can you help me solve them? 
if you can tell me the story of the problem that I have, tell me why that problem is happening, tell me a new approach to that problem, and tell me how you can solve that problem, that's powerful. That's a story that people actually care about. So most people tell the wrong story. They're telling their story when they should be telling their prospect's story. And then the second piece is they don't tell the story in a compelling way, even if they are telling the right story. So from a sales pitch perspective, that's really, really a key piece. You need to start putting the focus away from you and your product and on your prospect and their problems. Give us an example of how you help someone maybe turn that around. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a ton. Why don't I give you an example from my own life, actually? I'll use a little bit of an anecdote. So I used to work at ZocDoc, which is this online appointment booking for doctors app. It gives doctors access to a database of patients they wouldn't have access to. People can book online. It's much easier for them, all of those things. So one of the types of doctors we sold to was optometrists. And I remember my first week, I was so excited. You know, I got my first doctor on the phone. I hadn't sold anything for like two months. And I got my first optometrist on the phone and I was, I'd been kind of running into a brick wall and I was telling about how great ZocDoc was. And I was like, you're going to get a bunch of young, new patients. This is going to be amazing. Here's what's awesome about us. Here's why we're great. And he hung up on me. (laughs) Before I like, I got this whole pitch out and he hung up on me. So I call him back and I say, uh, hey, we got disconnected. He goes, we didn't get disconnected. I hung up on you. I said, okay, uh, you know, do you not want young patients that are going to stay with you for a while? And this kind, kind man said to me, all right, let me tell you the thing. If I get any more new patients, I'll be out of business. And I said, okay, so can you explain a little bit more? He said, young patients come in, they get the eye exam with me which I don't make any money on. And then they go into my store, pick out the perfect frames and they don't buy them. What they do is they go home, find them on the internet with the actual model, buy those for 40% cheaper than I'm selling them for. And I'm bleeding money because of it. If I get any more young new patients, I'm going to be out of business. So I said, okay. And we hung up and I went back, did some research, tried to figure out what that was all about. And then the next optometrist that I got on the phone, the first thing I said is, hey, tell me if this is happening to you. You get a bunch of patients who are coming in, they're doing the eye exam with you. You know you don't make any money on the eye exam, but they are looking at frames and you just know they're not buying frames from you and you know they're going back and ordering them out on the internet wholesale much cheaper than they could get them from you and it's killing your business. And immediate just change in tone from them, that's exactly what's happening to me. How can you help? So I said, this was actually before Warby Parker really got big. I said, that's not going to change. You know, the internet's here to stay. The middleman kind of upselling thing is going to be very, very difficult for you long-term. But the only thing that you can do is taking on better insurances because when a patient has really good vision insurance, they get a stipend for $250 for their glasses once a year. And if they have that stipend, they don't care where they buy them from. They're going to go with the most convenient piece. Interestingly, one of the benefits of ZocDoc and why optometrists love using us is although you want to take anybody who comes through your door, you can actually choose the insurances that you take, at least you could at the time, from ZocDoc, and you can take only the best vision plans, which have those stipends. And slowly but surely, that will start to transform the insurances that you take at that practice. And it can really kind of save and transform your business long term. And all of that was true. I sold every optometrist I spoke to for the next two years because I didn't tell them ZocDoc's story. I told them their story. I told them why that problem was happening. I told them, here's the new approach to it. And then I told them how we can help them implement that approach. 
Tom, that's a great story. Traditionally, to date, so many entrepreneurs in large companies, when they've got a sales revenue problem, they go for that superhero. They bring in a vice president of sales, grab a bunch of salespeople, set the mission, and off they charge. And you're painting a different picture, one that has a little bit of depth to it. What have you seen how this transition is taking place? Yeah, I mean, it's a really difficult gap in the market. It's why I have a business. So as I mentioned, you're a technical or subject matter expert. You found this business and you have like a good network. You started to build and now it's time to scale. Maybe you got a recent round of funding. Maybe you're trying to grow larger. You've hired associates, whatever you're doing, you're trying to scale up your sales. And how do you do it? So what most people do is one of three things. They usually invest in a VP of sales, like picture that you just mentioned. Somebody with this impressive resume who talks about all of their connections in the industry and how they're going to bring them in. And they have this idea, like you said, this kind of fantasy that they're going to meet with somebody once a week and they're just going to tell them how the numbers are going up and this founder is not going to have to do anything because who likes sales and that's terrible. And I can just do what I call in-house outsourcing. Without fail, it doesn't work. Two things happen. If you get anybody who's good to take that risk, they're going to take a significant amount of equity from your company. And if they don't, they probably have jumped around with this impressive resume. They're not that great at what they do. Additionally, if I work at GE for a bunch of years in the medical device portion, I don't have the skill sets needed to build a business from the ground up. There's a bunch of research on this, but the average tenure of a VP of sales is 18 months. And that includes the successful ones. So it's a very risky hire and it can really slow you down. The other option, which I think is actually a better one, is you kind of hire this young, hungry talent, somebody who's a couple, two, three years out of college and you say, go get it. And they're really excited. They don't mind getting their hands dirty, but they don't have the skill sets yet to build a sales organization. They don't know how to do that. And it's a very difficult spot for them because they're going to end up floundering because they're executors. They need something to execute on. And if you don't give them that framework, they're going to struggle. And then the third is that the entrepreneur does it themselves, which I would recommend personally. You need to be out there, especially in the the relatively early days, you need to be out there selling. You need to know how to sell your product. There's no way around that. I know that nobody wants to, but if you're doing it right, it's not difficult, pushy, anxiety provoking. It's actually kind of fun. And this comes from me. I sold like Cutco knives when I was 14 and I had a terrible experience and I hated sales. And that's why I got good at it because it was something that I didn't like. But the issue with doing it yourself is much in the same way that it took me 10 years to perfect my craft of sales. And it took you 10 years or 15 years to perfect your craft. Your craft is not sales. So invariably, there's going to be a lot of inefficiencies there as you try to grow and do that yourself. So the best possible thing that I can recommend doing or I recommend doing with any client that I speak to, whether it's with me or with someone else, is go get some training and sell this thing yourself 15, 20 times. You really have to have that process down and then you can start bringing in junior level people to execute on the process that you've built. But you can't do this in-house outsourcing It's a really, really difficult spot to get from the founder-led sales area to a structured and scalable sales effort. That's the reason, again, that I have a business. But whether anybody works with me or works with someone else, get training. You need to be the one selling at the get-go. Tom, you're talking about building the sales story, and it has incredible power. In developing that sales story, I'm finding a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners who really haven't talked to a client or a customer in quite a while. Huge problem, right? 
first off, especially in the earlier stages, your product is in flux. When I started my business, my product is completely different than what it looks like today because I was talking to customers about what was working for them, what wasn't working for them. So from a product development point of view, it's very, very key. And then also from understanding and and a skill set point of view, it's very, very key. To kind of illustrate the story, a lot of times I'll speak with a prospect for my business and they'll say, I want to scale my sales. And I'll say, how many clients do you have? And they'll tell me five and they're all my friends. And I say, you're not ready to scale your sales yet. You're in customer development territory. Customer development is a little bit different than product development. Product development is, here's my product. What do you think about it? Customer development is, who is my customer? What do they care about? What problems do they have? Where does the problem that I solve rank for them? How do they think about that problem? What does solving that problem look like for them? What is the value in solving that problem? What are the nuances of the value that that brings? How do they make those buying decisions? Who's involved in that decision at an average target customer or a uh, ideal client? And what does all that look like? You need to be out there talking first and talking to them. And that can light up the cave for you. That's something that we do for our clients where we get five to seven to 10 of their target customers on the line. And I don't say anything about their product until an hour into the call, because what I really want to know is about the prospect and what they care about. Because If you are solving a problem that can't be quantified and someone needs to quantify it in order to buy from you, you're going to have a lot of trouble. So this helps you understand, A, validating that there's a need out there, but B, understanding the nuances of your pitch. And think about that story that I just told about the optometrist. Had I not talked to customers and understood what the issue was, I never would be able to make that sale. That's the power of speaking to your customers and prospects. And Dom, where does reference selling play into the story? Part of the story might be, I can imagine, um, previous successes or clients that are really impressed in in how they used it. Does that fit for a story? Yeah, sure. Success story anecdotes. Absolutely. It's, It's a key piece when I put together scripts for clients. Telling the core sales story that you have and the way that I define a core sales story is what are the pain points a client is having? Why are those pain points happening and what's it costing them? That's the second part. The third part is how they should be thinking about the problem to solve it. And then the fourth part is how we solve the problem. So that story can be told from just a pure pitch point of view, but a success story is just telling that in an anecdotal way using a previous client that is a lot like the client that you spoke with. And it is really, really key because human beings communicate, as I said earlier, through story. It's the thing that has enabled us to jump to the top of the food chain. This, this ability to kind of believe in stories and shared myths has allowed us to cooperate in a major, major way. And the ability to tell that anecdote, this is what all movies are. You put yourself in the shoes of the protagonist and then you go through the experience with them and it's the emotional journey of what would I do in, in that shoe. So that's why success stories or reference selling is really key. Tom, that's great insight. Tell us a little more about the structure of a story and how you look at those components and how it fits together. Yeah, sure. So this is one of the powerful parts of my background of really understanding stories over and over again and writing scripts and that type of thing. And there's a secret out there, which is almost every movie script out there, 90% of movie scripts are the exact same. They're all built the same way. And a sales pitch is just a story just like any of that. There's a structure to it that makes it successful. So one of the examples I like to use is if I've never seen Star Wars, 
and I turn on Star Wars with five minutes left and I see Luke blow up the Death Star. Sorry if I ruined that for anyone, by the way. But, you know, you've had 40 years. So uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so if, if I turn on Star Wars with five minutes left and I see Luke blow up the Death Star, I don't care. It means nothing to me. And what I would say is almost every client that I work with has Luke blow up the Death Star in the first five minutes of their movie. And you need to go much further back than that and go back to the problem that the prospect is having, how they're approaching that problem, what's the issue. So there's all of this preamble that takes me through the emotional journey necessary to where I actually care when the solution's presented or when Luke blows up the Death Star. So that's what I teach my clients how to do. Everybody's great at the Luke blow up the Death Star part. Everybody can talk about their company and what's awesome about it and the difference that it can make, especially founders, because it's their baby. They built it and they want to spend their time there. But you need to go back further to the problem that you saw in the market and that you're solving. So there's really four pillars to that. And I've touched on them a little bit earlier. Let's dive into them. There is the pain points that they're experiencing. So I have a huge BS detector myself whenever I'm pitched. It's either my like being cynical as a New Yorker combined with my sales background, but I'm extremely cynical anytime someone's pitching me. The only thing that gets me from skeptical to engaged is when somebody starts speaking and they start talking as if it was coming from my brain or they show me that they really understand these pain points that I'm having. So you need to meet a customer where they're at with the problem that you solve. So what are the pain points that they're experiencing? And so I'll walk through mine. In my case, they need to scale and they don't know how. They have no sales experience. They hired a VP of sales and it didn't work out. They hired a young, hungry person and that person is floundering. Those are the pain points they're experiencing. So that's the first key piece. You either need to question and get them to tell you the pain points and then show them that you understand those pain points. If you're presenting in a larger crowd, you can say, here are the pain points that almost every client we talk to sees. Is this happening to you? And it's credible because you've talked to clients who are like them. You'll move from that skeptical to engaged piece. If you jump past that and you don't deal with people's skepticism, they're never going to listen to the rest of your story. So once you've shown them that you get it, right? I get it. I get what's happening to you. The next piece is a reframe. You need to educate them in this piece and say, here's why your pain points are happening. Let me show you the forest through the trees. In my case, it's kind of what we talked about earlier. It's a really difficult gap for a founder to move from founder-led sales to structured and scalable. They don't have the skill set. They try and solve them this way, and none of that works because they need to be the ones out there selling and talking to customers, and they need those tools. And so many companies have floundered. Good companies, good businesses, good ideas have failed because they couldn't fill that gap that I was talking about. So that's what the costs are. And then the next piece is independent of your solution, how should your prospects start thinking differently about the problem from how they're thinking about it today in order to solve it? So this is a very important distinction because this isn't your solution. We're not talking about your solution yet. But this is what are the principles behind the solution that you created, right? In my case, you need to be out there talking to customers. You need to be the one selling. I don't care whether you do it with me or anybody, but you need to figure out how to sell and you need it to be the one who's out there selling, giving pitches, talking to customers, getting feedback and getting better at this before you bring anyone else to do that. That's the value add. That value add is something I've given them, whether they work with me or not, they can take. And one of the interesting parts about that value add is they don't listen to me. 
and they go back and do one of the things that we talked about, I get a call from them six months later when it doesn't work out because they remember that I told them exactly how it was going to go if they didn't take those steps. And then the final piece is, okay, I told you how you need to approach it. Whether you do it with me or not, that's the approach that you should take. But here's one particular way that I am solving this problem for my clients. Here is our approach. Here's what we saw. Here's what we do. In my case, I act as an outsourced VP of sales for them to help them take the technical and subject matter expertise they have and turn that into a sales strategy that's in line with best practices. I'm a translator to help them do that. Once we're done with that, I help them to train the people that they have or hire people on the junior level to execute that strategy that we built together. And then I coach them along until three or six months later when I'm no longer needed and the transition has fully been made. I'm telling them what's happening to them. I'm telling them why it's happening. I'm telling them how they need to think about solving. And I'm telling them the way that I solve it. And the interesting part about that, if you're able to do that with a customer, it's incredibly powerful. The interesting part is if you've earned that credibility with the first three parts, your solution is almost an afterthought. It's really important. If you can do the first three parts really well, they'll buy from you just because they believe you and you've earned that credibility and people will buy from you because they believe you understand their needs and that you know what you're talking about and they'll just trust you with the solution to that. Dom, thank you so much for breaking that down for us and it's just been such a pleasure having you today. My pleasure. Thank you. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, sure. So if anyone is hearing this and wants to start moving in that direction, if you can email me directly, let me know that you heard me on the podcast. And I am happy to give you a free structure sheet for creating that story that we talked about that I use with my clients as we move along. And that'll be a good place to get you helped. And if you want to talk about working together, you can email me there as well. And we can go from there. Uh, if you'd like to learn a little bit more, you can find me on www.thecleancell.com. That's S-E-L-L.com. Our guest today has been Dom Capicelli, CEO of The Clean Cell Consulting Firm. You can learn more about Dom as well as find links to his contact information on our website at businessownersradio.com. This episode has been sponsored by Aligned for Business. That's Aligned, the number four, business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.